nobody to offend from there, so you're okay making fun of East Texas. <laughs> well, I was making fun of just it the scorpions. Are like, hey, man, it's not so bad. <laughs> Come on. This episode is sponsored by Component One, makers of Widgmo. If you need stunning UI elements or awesome graphs and charts, then go to Widgmo.com and check them out. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 24 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. Uh, this week on our panel, we have Jameson Dance. Hi, guys. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Michael Jackson. Hi, everybody. So, Michael, um, among other things, is the author of the strata.js library. Um, do you want to introduce yourself real quick, Michael, and then tell us about the, the library and what it does? Sure. So, um, so I've um, done quite a few things, uh, you know, with JavaScript in my career. I'm, I'm currently actually at uh, Twitter. I'm an engineer at Twitter, uh, working on our front end, and uh, we're using we're even using Node a little bit and Strata a little bit. But I guess we can get into that later. But yeah, so I've been an engineer, uh, a lot of JavaScript, a lot of Ruby in my history, and uh, I publish a lot of open source stuff. So. That's uh, that's cool. Um, so yeah, that's me. Yeah, somebody actually uh, requested str- uh, that we talk about Strata.js, and so I went looking for it. It was kind of funny because I looked it up on GitHub, and I'm like, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> so it, it was nice. I could just reach out to you and go, hey, do you want to come on the show? I, w- I was really happy to, to, to be here because I, I just love getting out and talking about this kind of thing. It really... Um, you know, it's, it's just fun to talk with other people, get feedback, see what they think, and also kind of let other people know about it. Right. So so what exactly is Strata? So uh, if you've done any web development at all uh, since, uh, you know, about 1980 or so, we've, uh, we've kind of had these, um, these, these web kind of frameworks, if you will. Um, and Strata is, is a kind of a framework uh, in that same vein for Node.js. Um, and it, it kind of takes a more traditional approach um, where it, uh, it, it kind of takes the, uh, the rack approach or the, the WSGI approach. If you're, if you're a Ruby or Python programmer, you'll be familiar with those libraries. Okay, cool. So um, I, I'm a little curious, how is it different from rack or WSGI other than the fact that it's written in JavaScript? Um, it's, so it's, it's, like I said, it's very similar to those. Um, so the, the fact that it's written in JavaScript and specifically on Node um, make it so that the whole thing is, is evented, right? So, uh, um, so you know, you're never blocking inside a, inside a Strata app. Um, you, can, you can also do streaming uh, with WSGI. Um, it's a little bit more tricky with Rack, but it's, it's possible to kind of uh, simulate streaming. But um, the, the reason I wanted to sort of take those good ideas and combine them with Node is because Node has such awesome I.O. handling, right? It's, everything's non-blocking, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing blocks. So that makes it so that uh, you know you can handle a ton of simultaneous requests, um, you know, uh, without uh, without dropping any of them, and and still kind of have this traditional kind of web app architecture. Right, and and so, does it use the same? What is it? The reactor pattern? Uh, yes. Well, it's just this. I'm, I'm not sure what the pattern's called. It's just uh, I guess we call it the middleware pattern these days. 
that's kind of the most common word that uh, that developers have for it. So the reason I called it Strata is because um, Strata, you know, if you look at, for example, a, a, like a, a rock face, you know, and, and you sort of, if you've ever gone like hiking in the mountains, for example, I, you guys are from Utah. I always used to love to go down to Zion's. Anyway, you go hiking in the canyon there and you see all the different layers of rock up on the side. And that's really what kind of what the app, what, an, what a web app is like uh, using the middleware pattern. You basically have the core of your app and then you wrap it with these various middleware um, and that, that do various things to the request on the way in and the response on the way out. <laughs> right. So, and so, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, I think the, the main implementation of this that lots of people are familiar with in Node is Connect, right? Because, uh, and it is used in Express a lot as well. How is this different from Express and Connect, or is there some relationship between them? There's no relationship uh, at this point. Um, the, do they have like a common, do they like fork or something, or are they just separate implementations of, the, of a similar pattern? Exactly. They're, sep- they're separate implementations of a similar pattern. Um, the, the approach that I wanted to take was to provide an abstraction on top of the objects that, that Node gives you, so node gives you um, or node gives you uh, when you set up like a, a basic HTTP server and you handle a request, it will give you this request object and this response object, and uh, and then you can sort of you know manipulate them, read properties off of them, and and write to the response, etc. And the approach that Connect and Express took is is to add sort of a very very minimal uh, layer on top of that. Right? It was like okay, we've got this request and response object. And what we really want to do now is set up a chain of callbacks, uh, you know, a chain of functions, a sort of a, an execution uh, path through our app, so that uh, you know we can sort of manipulate this request and response, uh, you know, and build our response and send it. Strata. Uh, the goal of Strata was to sort of abstract away nodes, request, and response objects, and provide you with more of a, a traditional kind of server environment. So. If you've ever done any any sort of programming in like Apache or Nginx, you'll be familiar with you know the the common or even CGI programming. Be familiar with kind of the the common um, server uh, environment variables, things like you know your server name and the path info and the query string, the request time, these sorts of things. And so the goal of uh, uh, Strata was to sort of take those requests and response objects that that Node gives you. Put a layer of abstraction on on top of them that give you this more traditional environment, and also give you what I believe is a cleaner API for building things like middleware. Right, but but they all work the same in the sense that you um, you have kind of a, a base app, I guess you call it, and then you have uh, layers of middleware that you stack on top. And basically, what it does is it starts at the top of the pile and works all the way down to the base, and then comes all the way back out, so that. Basically, on the way in, things can modify or handle the request, and on the way back out, they can modify the response. Absolutely, yeah. It's a, it's the same kind of pattern, just a, a different implementation and different API. So it, it, I mean, connect you explicitly call next in your middleware to, to pass it on to the next layer. And it looks like in Strata, you kind of only call your callback if, if you need to apply it. And they get, so, so there's no next to call. It just kind of goes through the whole stack each time. Is that right? Yeah, well, so you have, you have two different kinds of objects in Strata, really. You have 
and they're really just functions, these objects. Um, but one is a, a, an app, and then another one is a middleware, okay? An app is, a Strata app is just a function that takes two arguments. It's got, the first argument is, is the environment, which is basically just this, this big bag of state that you pass around through the request um, and response cycle. And then the second argument is the callback, and that's just a function that you use to send the response. And so uh, a Strata middleware is basically an app, so you can call it in the same way, but it's, it, it's also got a reference to another app that's downstream, what we say. So, so when you call a, a middleware, it can choose to, for example, you know, send, send the response if it wants to, for example, if you have a piece of authentication middleware uh, it, and, you know, and you're not authorized, it can choose to cut off the response uh, you know, at, at that point and, and send you a, you know, a 403 or something saying, hey, you, know, you need to auth first right, before you go further. Or if, you know, if that authentication middleware deems that, yeah, everything's great, you do have the right kind of auth, then it can call its downstream app, right? So it, it, it uh, so a middleware is just an app plus a reference to another app that's downstream. And it's really nice building things in this way because uh, the separation of responsibilities is very, very clean in, in middleware land, right? If a middleware just has one job and that's all that middleware needs to do and, uh, and then the interface is the same between all apps and middleware so that regardless of what's downstream or what's upstream, you know exactly what to pass, what arguments to pass. Right. Yeah, I, I, it, it really does sound a lot like the approach that uh, people take with Rack and things, um, you know, except it, it kind of has an implicit return instead of specifying the callback. Um, d- does that change the nature of the apps at all that you can specify the callback so you can actually have the stack do something different than just straight up and straight down? Yeah, absolutely. So in node land, everything is done in a callback pretty much. Um, whether you're using the callback pattern explicitly or whether you're using kind of this event listener pattern, uh, everything is done in a callback. And so, uh, so Strata, when I built Strata on top of Node, I thought, okay, that's, that's probably the best way to build this thing because that's the most familiar interface to people. Um, so, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot, I forgot what your original question was. I kind of got going off about the callbacks. Well, I was just wondering how it changes things to explicitly specify a callback. Basically because in Rail or in Ruby in Rack, I mean, you you basically just count on the fact that it's going to synchronously return when it's done. Yeah, right. So so in Rack, you the body of your response. So you you have to like synchronously, for example, determine the status and the headers. Right. The body is this thing that you can call each on. So in that in that way, you can kind of fake streaming a response to the client. Right. So. Every iteration of each uh, could yield, uh, you know, a chunk of the response. For example, uh-huh. it's, it's much more explicit the fact that the whole response is deferred. Right? You get that callback, and you just call it whenever you're ready. Right? Um, there's a there's a timeout middleware, in fact, that'll let you sort of, you know, if in case your app kind of goes goes haywire and hangs, uh, and you don't end up calling that callback within a certain amount of time, it'll call it for you and, and just cut the response short. 
Um, but, but basically that, that's the idea is that you don't have to decide right now what the response is going to be synchronously in line because you've got a lot of things to do. You know, you need to go connect to a database, read some data. You might need to render a template. You know, when all of that stuff is done, then call the callback with the response and everything. Um, another feature that's really nice uh, about Strata is that I, I built it when Node was uh, on the 0.4 uh, release. And that's when streams were kind of making their way into, uh, into Node Core. Uh, the stream is, is a, uh, one of the core primitives of Node. Basically, everything that you get in Node is, is a stream, whether it's a, you know, a, a request or a response. These are all sort of subclasses of the stream class. And so Strata was built with that in mind. So the Strata, the body that you pass back in a Strata app and in, in the Strata response can either be a, uh, it can be a string, which is basically just like here I rendered a template, right? Here's the string, or it can actually be a stream. So your own your own event emitter that uh, just yields bytes to the response as necessary. And if it if that's the case, then you know you'll, you'll automatically have uh, you know a, a, a streaming response instead of sending it all at the same time. Right. Yeah. One other thing that that I was uh, kind of leaning or looking at before is the fact that if you can specify the callback, um, you know, you can actually change the shape of the the middleware where it's not a linear down, linear back up like it is in Rack. Yeah. Although, yeah. Although it it might be it might get a little bit tricky. I don't know what you mean by change the callback. You mean you you certainly don't want to give it a different signature, right? Right. No. What what I mean but is you for, can kind of skip layers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I you, mean, you, you can st- skip around in the stack. Absolutely. You could fun- You could you could do that. Yeah. If you wanted to. You make it circle I, back yeah, on itself a couple of times and then finally exit. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the most. I think that's how my brain works. Is it? <laughs> yeah, just kind of go in circles for a while and then just exits. Like a dog chasing his tail. Yeah, I have yeah. days like that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we all do. That's uh, that's totally normal. That's why we love JavaScript and Node, right? Yeah. So one other thing that that's kind of interesting about this um, th- does it change anything? The fact that everything is a callback, that it's asynchronous. <sighs> Well, it just makes it easier to sort of reason about uh, streaming, I think, in my opinion, at least. So, you know, I, I do a lot of Ruby, um, you know, as well. And so, you know, you, you can kind of mimic streaming. In fact, the, in, in, uh, in recent releases of the Sinatra library, they've got this, this stream class. Uh, if you've done any web development in Ruby, you've probably heard of Sinatra. It's this 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 tiny um, library for for writing uh, minimal web apps. I really like it. But anyway, it's got this stream class that you can use to to s- sort of fake streaming, right? I mean, it's not anyway. The authors will probably uh, get mad that I said it's fake, but it, it, <laughs> it you're not you're not doing anything um, sort of asynchronously, right? You're you're just doing things uh, synchronously, but you're giving them sort of an async interface. And that, to me, gets a little bit confusing. Anyway, what I like is is just to, you know, I say, okay, either either I'm going synchronous or I'm going asynchronous. But you know, it's it's easier to reason about it if I know which land I'm in from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what I like about Node is they they just said, you know, right from the beginning, everything's asynchronous, right? There's there are, there's a tiny handsome module, for example, that that all have you know sync appended to the name and that's for doing things synchronously but other than that everything is done asynchronously so you kind of going into node you know if you're you're programming node you're like okay i get it it's asynchronous let's uh 
you know, so you know how to think about your programs. Yeah, that's, I mean, people complain a lot of times about the nested callbacks and stuff, but I think that's one of the things they do really well. They make it really explicit when stuff is going to happen later. So it, it doesn't, um, what you see is what you get pretty much, even though that can be more complicated to, to follow the logic. At least you know that, okay, this takes a callback, it's going to do something asynchronously. It's it's really explicit. Yeah. The, I, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, yeah, the, there's been a lot of sort of complaints, uh, you know, from, from uh, people who, who doing node uh or maybe maybe not like the node core but kind of the kind of this this community that's just sort of dipping their toe in the water saying ew you know look at look at the callback spaghetti you know there this this callback calls another callback passes another callback and uh, truth is when i've been writing my node apps uh, it, it can get that way. You have to be very, very disciplined, though. You have to be very disciplined about, you know, like I was talking about earlier, about the separation of responsibilities. You know, if I have a function that takes a well-defined set of arguments and does one thing, right? It does. It's kind of like the Unix, the old Unix philosophy, right? It does one thing very well uh, and then just sort of pipes its response to some other function, right? Uh, then I think you can you can maintain some sanity in your programs. I've seen some examples, you know, where whenever somebody wants to, uh, whenever somebody wants to show a, a bad example of the callback spaghetti, usually they they say, well, you know, let's make a bunch of calls to the database. So we'll make you know five calls to the database, and and you know, since they're all being done asynchronously, well, then we do, you know you know, uh, we sort of nest them all in callbacks. That's not, that's not really necessary. Like you have different things like flow control libraries, um, that you can use to, to mitigate that problem. But in, in reality, I haven't found it to be a really, really practical. I, I haven't found it to be too much of a problem for me just because I, I keep most things, uh, that I'm doing, uh, very well defined and very well separated. Right. Yeah. So it's not, like a 80 line method that's a bunch of callbacks spaghetti it's like you know one method that that has its specific responsibility calls another piece of code that has its specific responsibility but i i don't end up with a with an unreadable mess I, the, I think that's definitely a skill. I mean, you've been doing Node for a, a while now. Did you start out writing code like that? Or did you have the the struggle against the callback spaghetti that other people have had too? Yeah, so it, yeah you're right. It, 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 it is a skill. It took a long time uh, to, kind of, to kind of figure that out. I remember <clears throat> one, of the, one, of the, uh, one of the talks that really kind of changed the way I thought about web programming is a talk that I heard at Mountain West Ruby Conference back in 2009 by John Crosby when he was talking about Rack. And before Rack, the only servers that I had ever really used were like Apache and Nginx, you know. And he's, and he's talking about Rack. And I, when I, I heard that talk, I went through and I read through all the source code of the Rack library. And I really wanted to understand what it was that we were talking about and what made it work. And uh, when I saw how the code was structured, you know, that every piece of middleware had this very clear responsibility, it, it was one of the things that kind of, it was kind of like a, a, a big light bulb came on in my mind. And I was like, wow, this is really how, this is, this is kind of the principle of an encapsulation applied to, to web apps, right? Um, now, nowadays, I feel like we, uh, I feel like we, we build apps 
that are, uh, that are, that are big, you know, like lots of times, uh, we'll build like a, for example, a rails app, right? We'll take rails, we'll, we'll fire it up. We'll say, we want to get this thing going fast and we'll, we'll build all of this functionality into the rails app. We've got, you know, our admin panel on our rails app and we've got our API is built right into that app. And, and maybe even like the workers using something like delayed job or something. These are all like things that we've built into our Rails app. Sorry I'm talking so much about Ruby. I'm an old Ruby guy. But, um, but anyways, you think about if, if that were a class, right? If that were a class, how would you feel about that class being able to do all those types of different things, right? Uh, for example, if, if I gave you a class and I called it the kitchen sink and you could call any method in my whole app on that one class, you would probably tell me to go refactor that class because you would say, this is not well-defined, right? There's, there's too many things going on here. I, I don't know how to think about this class. I don't know what an instance of this class does. An instance of this class really does, you know, a hundred things. And all I want it to do is be good at doing one thing, right? This is how we think about our objects. And so if that's how we think about our objects, why don't we think about our apps in the same way? Because our apps are really just an accumulation of, you know, a bunch of objects sort of working in harmony. So why don't we think about our apps as, okay, you know, this, this app does this one thing or this middleware does this one thing. And then we sort of end up piecing them all together, right? Uh, to form something that's much greater. And if, if there's a piece of it that's misbehaving, we can easily you know, remove it from the stack without affecting the integrity of the rest of the app or without affecting our ability to reason about the rest of it. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I, I wanted to, you kind of answered the question already. I was going to ask you, do you think, it seems like this pattern has, has been around for a long time. Do you think when we're like programming with our minds, you know, we just like think thoughts and computers interpret them? that those are all going to go through like a stack-based middleware? Is this, is this pattern going to be around forever? Uh, I, I think this pattern, I, I think it will, yeah. I think it, it's, it's proven to be at least, uh, I mean, you can see, for example, in the Ruby and Python communities, it's completely revolutionized the way that they do web development. And so that was, that was kind of the big indicator to me when I, when I came to Node, I thought, We've got this this awesome platform does really well, you know, with it, it does a lot of things really well. It does IO handling really well. It it reaches out to beginners really well. Not beginners, but you know, beginners to intermediate programmers who maybe, you know, JavaScript is is kind of a language that they're already familiar with and so they can easily get started with that. And so, you know, Node has all these great strengths going for it. And what I wanted to do was sort of draw from the experience of these other communities and bring it to this cool new platform, right? So that we could kind of learn from the past, but also be living in the present, right? And, uh, you know, in, just in response to your question, it, it being a, a, an, an sort of an established, I mean... I, I, this came from Perl originally, right? Hasn't it been around since like the 90s? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a pattern that, that WSGI copied from CGI, which was, you know, which has been implemented in, in a, a, all the languages, basically, you know, you've got CGI in, in Perl and wherever else. Also, Apache and Nginx kind of follow this same kind of kind of uh, kind of uh, pattern. And so it's you know, I, I can't think of really any other. I can't think of any website that I go to this day, you know, these days that doesn't use sort of this this middleware pattern at its core, right? Even here at Twitter, uh, you know, when you make a request to Twitter.com, it goes through our Rails app, which is built on top of Rack, right? 
so uh, so it's it's a pattern that I believe is is here to stay. So so oh. well, if you have if you have another question about the pattern, I'm going to change the topic. So I do one more question about it. Um, what do you think its weaknesses are? Where where is it not the best to use? Are you talking about the middleware pattern in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean maybe Strata specifically, but just in general. Hmm. Yeah, it's honestly it's the best it's the best pattern that I've found for doing stuff like this. Um, I'd have to think about that one. I don't. The I, answer is none. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know that I know that in the Ruby community um, there were some issues. I think with the stack depth, the call stack depth. Because it effectively, you know, calls down to the next app, calls down to the next app or the next middleware. And so you can get a really deep stack of, of stuff and it, it can slow so maybe it, if you, it can slow it yeah, down if you some. Stack your things up too high, it'll be weird. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but with, with the asynchronous uh, nature of uh, Strata in Node, I don't know if that's really an issue because you're effectively just saying, okay, um, I know who to call next. You know, I have this callback. And so you just asynchronously, you know, give that callback what it needs to do its job and you know just kind of move on from there and so it doesn't actually develop a a deep stack like that yeah that i mean that could get out of hand uh if we're you know but uh, but again that's kind of the programmer's responsibility right yeah to make sure that your that your middleware stack doesn't get huge right um and in in practice so in theory i, I agree that could happen in practice, it hasn't happened a whole lot with with me. That may have happened to people who are like building Rails apps, and so they Rails Rails kind of adopted this whole middleware philosophy in Rails three, and so everything in Rails is is a middleware now, or most of the things in Rails are a middleware, and so they they might have you know layered on a lot of middlewares and 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 kind of uh, you know so that may be where kind of that, that problem is is coming from. But yeah, so that I mean that that could be that could be a, a problem uh, for other developers too, though if they don't watch it. I guess maybe that maybe that's one of the weaknesses is that it just requires some discipline, right? Yep. It requires thinking, right? You gotta you gotta sort of know what you're doing, and you can't you can't be afraid to say to to go back and refactor and sort of pay down your debts. Yep. So uh, I have another uh, question for you, and that is that uh, with with at least in Ruby, I mean, not a whole lot of people are writing rack apps directly. I mean, most people are writing Rails apps or Sinatra apps or Padrino apps or, you know, some other framework that uh, it was either written based on rack or, you know, moved its whole basis over to rack like Rails did. Um, do you see other people building frameworks on top of uh, strata.js? Absolutely. That's, that's, it's kind of been a, a, a pet project of mine that I haven't really got pushed out uh, uh, yet, but I have been building some kind of a Sinatra-like thing on top of Strata. So Strata really is, at this point, it's just a big, beautiful workhorse, <laughs> It it does kind of all of the all of the kind of nasty hard things for you. Like Strata, for example, was uh, you know it it shipped version one shipped with built-in support for things like multi-part parsing, which is like it's just something that you don't want to have to re-implement right in your in your framework. Uh, you know, it's shipped for you know things like uh, you know doing logging, doing. Uh, you know, caching, doing, uh, you know, serving static files, 
you know, and building obviously all your, your middleware chains. It, 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 it shipped with, uh, you know, doing things like routing, like uh, Sinatra and Rails style routing. Um, you know, so it, it kind of did all of these these sort of mundane things where you're like, okay, okay, I get it. I need I need some routing in my app, right? I need some uh, I need to handle session cookies securely in my app, right? I need to do all these things in an HTTP app, but that has nothing that that in in, in and of itself, there's no intrinsic value there, right? I, I haven't built anything when I built that because those are sort of the basic building blocks of of every app, and mm-hmm. those are things that the, the basic things that you need to build any app at all. And so, what Strata does is it, it it sort of gives you all these tools. It's this great toolbox, and then you have the ability to say, okay, I'm going to write a 200 line. JavaScript library on top of this or 100 line or whatever and it's going to be really small you know like Sinatra and it's going to give me like the really sweet sugar you know the really nice kind of uh, you know ways to to define things and ways to easily handle errors within the context of a request and like do all of these nice high level things that uh, that Strata is intentionally omitted for you. Uh, you know, I, like I say, I've, I've got this library that I've been working on kind of in my spare time, but at the moment I, I didn't want to release it because I feel kind of a, a great responsibility when I do publish something, and that is that I really want to maintain it and make sure that it's good for uh, for people in the, in the future to use. Um, so I, I don't want to push out too many projects because then I, I'm maintaining too many things and I, I fear that they might fall behind. But I, I would like, I, you know, somebody to build something on top of Strata and then to show me, you know, and, and, and maybe we could work on it together and I could contribute there. But that would be that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll go ahead and write JavaScript on Jails. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to get Jails in there anyway. Um, I was calling it Bullet. I mean, it would be like your, your bullet train, you know. Oh, there you go. You know, the bullet trains are really fast. Anyway. It's a name. You can have it if you want to. You want to write your JavaScript library and call it Bolt. <laughs> well, I learn a lot doing it. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of time. I mean, I spend most of my time, you know, maintaining the the podcasts and stuff. So, so are you guys using this at Twitter? Uh, yes, we are absolutely. Do you, want, do you want to talk about what you're doing with it? I think that'd be cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, so right now, we're not using it for anything public facing yet. Um, so we are using it internally for a number of things. Uh, probably the main thing that we're using it for is um, our, our web team wanted to mock out our. Um, they wanted to mock out some of the aspects of our, our API and uh, and some of our um, like our, our CDN. They wanted to mock that out uh, in the in the dev environment for you know people who are developing against our app uh, and, and and running tests and things against it and and you know they need to kind of be in that environment and, and to kind of have that mock so that's what uh, they used it for um, so I say they I'm I, I I'm not on the kind of this was kind of like the web team that works on kind of the the infrastructure the core infrastructure here at Twitter. I'm, sure. I'm on one of our product teams, but I've been, you know, working with them to kind of, you know, keep Strata updated and put the things in that they think like, that they feel like they need for their uh, for their use cases. So yeah, we're using it there. Um, I've also seen various engineers kind of hacking with it. We have this thing that we uh, do every quarter called Hack Week, and it's really cool because uh, you just take a take an entire week and build something that you always wished existed at Twitter, but for one reason or another, it didn't exist. And so you, uh, so we, we actually have this, uh, 
these teams who have spun up internal apps and built them on Strata, you know, whenever somebody wants to use Node, I'm always here to to help them. And, and a couple of them have chosen to use Strata, which is great. And it's always fun to get to work with people like that. So uh, the future of Strata is pretty secure, I feel like, because we've got, we've got a lot of great engineers here who like to use it and we're pushing forward with it and using it. Uh, internally, and I think it's I think it's just a matter of time before we find some good production uses for it. Our main um, our main uh, prod team is uh, is a kind of a, a you know a Java Scala shop. That's uh, that's what our main application services team is using, and so it'll probably be a tough sell for those guys because they they kind of uh, they I, I don't think they've caught the vision yet, but uh, but we'll definitely be using it in in Webland. Just that's- a little bit different than. In this architecture, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, we, you know, it's it's wild to kind of get things through to, uh, you know, we would like to be on the leading edge of Node, and you know, it's, you know, you you go and talk to your your sysadmins, and you say, hey, you want to you want to install this thing? You know, they just released it yesterday. You know, they kind of they kind of look at you a little bit funny. So, yeah, <laughs> you gotta you gotta move a little bit more slowly than that. But, yep. Well, cool. Um, is there anything else about Strata that you want to talk about before we get into the picks? Uh, no, I mean, just uh, I'd love it if people would give it a give it a shot. Um, you know, I've I've we've got some some kind of um, you know we've got a little bit of traffic going on on the mailing list and things like that. I'm always open for you know pull requests and I try and stay on top of the issues and and you know the mailing list and things like that so feel free to reach out if you've got any questions about it and I'm more than happy to help awesome all right the docs are pretty good too I just want to say it's got they're they're pretty readable thanks man um, it doesn't have the problem where there are no docs and it also doesn't have the problem where they're just a wall of text that don't actually tell you what you want to know so they're nice thanks man I was I was trying to make it that way I was trying to make it so that it was like a book and I plan on expanding on that even in the future, um, but I wanted it to be just like a book where you, you know, just like an O'Reilly book where you sit down and you're like, okay, what do I want to do, you know? And and okay, I want to do this, and you can you can even kind of skip around sometimes in the chapters, and you know, once you kind of get the feel for how the core of it works, you skip around and just read the parts of, that explain something that you specifically want to do. Oh, there you go, Strat of the good parts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and do the picks. Did I warn you about picks? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I got a few few things in mind. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what this crowd is like. If they're they're sick of hearing about tech stuff, or they want to hear about other stuff, but I got a few things in mind for sure. Okay. Cool. Why don't you start us off then? Uh, so my favorite website these days is uh, Uncrate. Have you guys been to Uncrate? No, no idea. What it I've is. heard of it, but. Uncrate.com. It's like a, you know. Oh, no. This is one of those sites that's going to make me spend money, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's good for you, Jameson. All right. I just opened it up. The second thing on there is an Audi R8, $170,000. Yeah. Okay. So they do put like stuff for you. Over the website, you know, stuff that it's like, yeah, right. I mean, I saw I saw a boat or a yacht on there one time that was like this twenty foot yacht, and I was like, yeah, that's not anywhere in my near future. <laughs> but some other stuff is really, really cool. Um, you know, they, I, I I just love the kind of variety of stuff on there. They have they have a lot of cool like tech gadgets. And, uh, I mean, you go click on the tech tab and they've got like, uh, you know, apps for your iPhone and cool little like attachments for your iPhone. 
Uh, one of the cooler things that I saw was um, this. Uh, they had like, a, have, have you ever used a, um, a, a GoPro? No, I think I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Those little cameras that you can mount on your bike. Oh yeah, they're they're like helmet cams. Yeah, yeah mounted on your helmet or your bike or whatever. They, you know, they had they had uh, you know one of those uh, kind of uh, it was called the Mophie Outride, which was uh, you know it's 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 just this little like attachment for your iPhone that turns your iPhone into a GoPro. You know, which I thought was cool. So, anyway, website. I'm definitely spending way too much time on on Uncrate. Oh, if time is all you spend on it. You're getting out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I went and looked cool. at it, and I was like, okay, yeah, not a big deal. And then you pointed out the tech tab, and now now I've lost my whole morning. So <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Well, I, I I love how the the first thing on there is a scale model. One to one scale model of a 1959 Aston Martin. Yeah, it is. Isn't that awesome? It's way cool. Build it, kids. That's cool. Whole years worth of quality time right there. Yeah, there you go. I, I, it doesn't look like it has an engine block in there though. So. Uh, well, maybe we'll run that. They sell that separately. Yeah, I'll just I'll just put it out on my lawn and it'll look really nice. <laughs> No, well, you got to take the tires off and put it up on cinder blocks. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that doesn't work for me. It might work for my in-laws, but. <laughs> Do you, are your in-laws JavaScript programmers? No. Okay. Oh, if You're my good. father-in-law heard me say that, he'd just laugh his head off. <laughs> Mainly because he has many cars up on blocks on several different pieces of property. <laughs> he, he might actually he might actually make some of them run someday. But I hope fun of him in the meantime. That'll get that'll kind of light his fire. Yeah, if he gets mad, I'll just take him golfing. It'll all be okay. Anyway, you you sounded like you had more than just the one pick, Michael. Oh yeah, dude. I've got I got a ton of stuff that I'm into these days. Uh, are you guys? So I, another thing that I really like to do is is play guitar. Uh, I don't know if you guys are musicians at all, but I know a lot of coders have like other creative pursuits. Sometimes, uh, you know, they're doing martial arts or they're doing music or whatever. But yeah, so that's the thing that I do is music. And uh, something that I've really been getting into uh, lately are these um, guitar pedals, these MXR guitar pedals made by Dunlop. And uh, <coughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shoot you the link here. But they're basically uh, just whole, this whole family of guitar pedals that are just like really, really good sounding. I, I, just, I, I, I just got a, a new Telecaster last week. So I've been kind of kind of rocking out, and uh, my favorite pedal is the the carbon copy uh, delay pedal uh, for doing. You can do all sorts of kind of spacey sound effects, kind of like the U uh, two guys and stuff like that. So if you're into playing guitar and you like to try out some cool effects, go check out the uh, the MXR line over at Dunlop because they've got some really cool stuff coming out of there. Lots of these are kind of the the classic ones too. Like I think the carbon copy's been around for a while. They have like the the flanger. It's been around for a long time too. So I play guitar, or probably better to say, I used to play guitar, and I have a kind of a little pedal collection. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they're sweet stuff. Yeah, that, I, I think you're right. I think they have been around for a while. I'm just, I never, I've never been much of a pedal head myself. But what I, I, I always. Oh man, if you talk about money sinks, that there's an infinite <laughs> black hole for your money. Right. You get into that. Yeah, I, I used to buy these amps that would just have like a fatty preamp on them and you would be able to tweak them to your heart's content and get whatever sound you wanted out of them. And recently I just thought, you know what, forget that. Why don't I just get a, a like a Fender Twin or something that's got a, just a really good clean channel 
And then I can get all these boxes and make whatever sound I want with the boxes. So anyway, that's my new approach. And, this, and when you think about it, guitar pedals are kind of like middleware, right? <laughs> that's so true. And you do, these, you do one thing well. Yeah. Stack yeah. them up. So this fits with my like core philosophy of life. <laughs> All right, Jameson, what are your picks? Uh, one of them is the TMUX book. Uh, I think it's called Productive Mouse-Free Development. It's really short. I've wanted to, I've played around with TMUX before, but I never got real into it because there were always a couple little issues that stopped me um, from, from being comfortable, like I was in just the terminal. And this book solves them all and gives me a lot of cool stuff on top of it. So TMUX is sweet, and this book is, is a quick read and helped me find the best way to, to use Tmux, it's great. Um, another random pick, I might have picked this one before, but it was a while ago, and I finally finished it, is the book Goodell Escher Bach. And um, the more I talk about it, the stupider it sounds. So I'll, I'll just say it's the best book I've ever read and just completely blew my mind like several times. It's kind of a nonfiction book about intelligence and philosophy and AI and stuff, but you guys should all go check it out. It's a bit difficult to get through at points. He talks about some mathematics stuff. And so you'll read 50 pages an hour sometimes and you'll read one page in an hour some other times, but it's definitely worth it. It's a great book. Uh, those are my picks. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, I've kind of been in this crunch trying to uh, get a whole bunch of work done. And uh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure what exactly to pick. There's one thing that I've, I've really been impressed with um, and I'm not sure if I've picked it before. Um, I was using Things. Um, it's a it's an app for your Mac that um, kind of helps you manage your GTD. You're getting things done stuff. And um, anyway, I decided to try OmniFocus because so many people had been telling me to use it. And OmniFocus is by far the the way to go. Um, it's got an awesome uh, iPad and iPhone app. And then it's, uh, it's also got, you know, the Mac app, but the thing that I really love about it is not just, you know, that it, it's, it's nice to use to track all your tasks, but it has like import plugins for everything. And so, um, you can hit a keyboard shortcut to pull up, uh, something just to put a task in just during your workflow. Um, it also has a plugin for Chrome. So if I'm on a website and I need to, you know, do something with it, um, I just click the little button and it slams it into uh, OmniFocus for me. And so, I mean, it's just super nice and I've, I've, I've really enjoyed having it and it just kind of gets all that stuff out of your way. So that if something comes up and you're like, yes, I need to handle this, you just, you just do it and it's done. And, um, Anyway, so so I guess my pick this week is OmniFocus for the Mac and for the iP- the iPad specifically. And um, make your own. Uh, <clears throat> can you make your own uh, plugins for it? I mean, like you said, it, you can you can sort of plug in anything. I don't know. Let me see if they have a uh, like. If you could like put your your GitHub kind of integrate that because I do a lot of work on my GitHub, right? And so that a lot of stuff that's on GitHub for me are to dos, right? So right. I had this integration, and I see that Seattle, the Seattle RB guys have made a an OmniFocus GitHub uh, uh, gem here that uh, lets you uh, lets you sync your your GitHub to dos into your uh, into your OmniFocus. 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so there you go. Huh. I am definitely going to have to look at that. Yeah. You know, I mean, if there's like a, you know, somebody opens a new issue on one of your repos, one of your to-dos is go check it out, right? Yeah. See what they have. Yeah. But uh, the other nice thing about it is that they provide a syncing service for OmniFocus. So, yeah, you just uh, create an account with their syncing server and then you just sync everything up. So, so that, that'd be way cool to, to be able to pull that in and then just have it wherever I'm ma- managing my to-dos. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it'll sync across all your devices. That's cool. Yep. All right. Well, I don't think there's uh, anything else we need to go over and I don't have any other picks. So um, thanks for coming on the show, Michael. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Really. I really. Yeah, it was great to talk to you. Yeah. I, this is one of the guys I really enjoy talking to. We've We've been to several conferences together and wound up chatting over lunch and stuff and chatting at users groups and Michael's a smart guy. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I'd be happy to chat anytime you want. All right. Sounds good. Okay, great. We'll see you guys. Yeah, we'll see ya. All right. See ya. <laughs>